Hey, what's up, world? I'm Brian. I'm Hashim. And this is Two Black Guys. You are welcome. Hey. <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Welcome to the first episode of Two Black Guys. Two. Number two. The number two. Mm-hmm. Um, my name's Hashim. And I'm Brian. All right. So this is the first episode. So um, I think it's convention or just smart to both introduce the host. So the title will give you some indication. There's there's two black guys. Um, but the name of the podcast and kind of like it's Genesis, like why? Um, I don't know. Like there's no, we've been actually having this conversation continuously for some months now and there's no really pretty event that made the podcast for me necessary i just think it's super super it's both for me like a mental health like gesture because i think 2016 universally has been pretty um pretty horrible right Jesus. it's been pretty ridiculous and there's been many moments when I was confounded, like in the very, very literal sense of the word, and kind of like felt a cognitive suffocation, right? And as we'll probably unearth throughout the podcast, um, there were many times in college where I relied on Brian to help me process these things. And it's often felt conversation with him felt like a really, really safe place. Um where I could deal with those super, super messy and confounding ideas. So it made sense from that level to make a podcast and have those conversations amplified and kind of ask people to join in with us. So that's this podcast and the first episode. I've talked enough, I think, for a little while. So Brian, you introduce yourself. So, yeah, my name's Brian. I'm uh, Hashim. We've been friends for like ten years. If we round up, about a decade. About ten years. You've been telling me like I'm thirty years old for the last ten years. I feel like. Well, it would make you forty-one. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> a little bit of an old soul. Um, I think this podcast is going to be an interesting experiment. I mean, over the last ten years, you know, we just kind of like check in, and after graduating from college, and then we start working, and then you know, grad school, and at each of these like junctures, you know, it's like we've we've always just kind of like reconnected, and there's just always been this feeling for me like, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like as you know, the assault on like black people. <laughs> Right, has just been so visceral, so like in and your in face. Some miraculous way intensified. Like every year, it's gotten, it's gotten, it's gotten more and more intense. Right. And then, like, the people that you can go to to talk about it, you know, it's mm. like you kind of have this like woke community. We're like in that thing where air people quotes, kinda, severe air, air quotes, severe right. air quotes, like I'm woke. And yet, like, they're just all these like think pieces about just like just minutia, just all kinds of crazy stuff and i listen to a lot of podcasts and there are a few of them that really i think kind of get there they're both bright and connected to some things culturally that like i identify with and so it kind of makes sense for my worldview but just very little of it and so it's like you know to your point about like being able to have conversations and feeling like they're safe space it's crazy to like be able to connect with so few people and feel like 
you know, you're just not going crazy, right? you know? So, um, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. You know, we've traveled to a lot of places and lived in a lot Seen of different... many di- you, um, What's the name? Uh, <laughs> um, hold on. Welcome hold, um, into this um, <laughs> In my life and time. What's that song? Everybody knows this. I don't know what that is. Oh, I'm going to Google it. Keep going. Let's not... So I think this is going to be dope. I think this is going to be a pretty interesting experience. We're just two black guys, so you know, we'll see. How Donnie Hath was it? Is Donnie Hathaway sing, singing a, uh, a song for you? I've been through. I've seen so many things. Oh. Yeah. See, you're always hearkening back to those black giants, I think artistic we had giants, standing on the shoulders of the giants, and yeah. then we can. <clears throat> That's great. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be dope. I mean, yeah. Okay. So I think we're clear on the podcast. Kind of it's, I mean, mission is kind of a overstatement. It's much more, um, again, I say like a gesture of like solidarity and community um, when we feel like it doesn't exist. And now to who we are. So we have... Stated our names. My name is Hashim. Um, and I'll just quickly say kind of who I am, how I met Brian. He'll say how he met me, and I hope like the stories align. Um, so, <laughs> Maybe. Um, again, my name is Hashim. I grew up in Baltimore. Um, I'm, I'm black. Um, I'm a guy. <laughs> um, and like no riff or like the vagueness of gendered terms. Like I am a black guy. Like we can just, we can continue to unpack that throughout the podcast. But I'm a black guy from Baltimore in my now late twenties. Um, and I think, I think it's going to be sufficient. I think like people, they'll like, yeah, the audience will learn about us as we learn about them and continue to learn ourselves. Um, so how I met Bryant, I guess this will also give you all, some insight into who I am. So we were at college in DC at Georgetown. And um, I just transferred from a historically black college in Atlanta, kind of the seat bed and bed rock of HBCUs and the HBCU experience in the AUC. Very much so. All right. So two years at Clark Atlanta, I come to Georgetown. When did you go to college? Were you like don't do that. So two years, or two 14? years at Clark Atlanta, I transferred to Georgetown, and I was very intentional about trying to create as best a black community for me at Georgetown. And that the first kind of stab at that was getting making sure my roommates were to the best of my ability black. <laughs> so we were able. I was able to somehow get into quote, upperclassmen housing with, I'm sure, the only situation where all of the roommates were black. Um, and Brian was one of those roommates. Brian, little known fact, maybe not little known. Let's not even do it that Let's not frame Let's it not that way. That. Okay. Let's not do that. That's fine. Brian was gone for maybe the first week, two weeks of his junior year working the DNC, I think. That's right. So I hadn't formally met him like we had email exchange whatever um and he comes in like i first see him and like we have like small talk kind of like generic rudimentary intro conversation and that's that like i'm like oh he's cool whatever like i'm here now (laughs) 
But the big, like, the what happened thereafter, I think, is the true lever to our friendship. Brian Cook, this is last name, decided to um, eat a bag of Pula Ranch Doritos, <laughs> which he knew he had not purchased. And um, not, like, open. A, the bag was not open. So that's, like, black strike number one. <laughs> Because, you know, black tradition is you don't open, you dare, you dare, fuck, you damn sure not open something in someone else's Let's space. Let's like just is, is black cultural tradition. I'm not sure if. I'm sure you I'm don't. Sure yeah, that, yeah, that was a hard lesson for you. Um, we'll come, we'll unpackage that, I think. So, Brian <laughs> opened my Cooler Ranch Doritos, and then he continued to eat the entire bag. Um, and I just think, like, I knew then that, like, I was really, like, this was someone who was both committed to the tradition of just, like, black art and excellence and black survival via, um, vis-a-vis other people's Cooler Ranch Doritos. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's a tenuous link. I but don't... also, it was just somebody who was, like, one of the funniest and genuine guys I'll probably ever have the privilege of meeting. And anyone who had, is, like, that goes that hard for Cooler Ranch Doritos as someone I want in my corner. Because Cooler Ranch Doritos are, I think, one of the bedrocks of black culture. Right? Definitely a bedrock. Um, so that's both me and how how we met. For a deep, formative experience of Bond. Alright, Brian. So, <clears throat> for me, I guess, um, so I'm a black guy as well, mm-hmm. approaching my 30s. Um, I'm an MBA student. I'm. Uh, Where are you, an MBA student? You know, you want to set up like up Italy. in New England, up in New England, and um, <laughs> we'll we'll have to unpackage that. Unpackage well. that, yeah. and maybe one of the whitest villages. I think like <laughs> village. It's a village. It's a white village. The um, pastoral county of uh, whiteness. Of, yeah, <laughs> it's situated right in there. Uh, and I'm a black guy. I grew up in like Prince George's County around the beltway of, um, of DC, went to a bunch of different schools. So, you know, just being in the DMV, I think got exposed to a, a lot of different culture and, you know, quite frankly, like the socioeconomic status, like around the beltway. And then I went to, you know, like public schools. I went to private schools. I went to, um, kind of all kind of socioeconomic range type environments, um, and uh, and so I show up to to Georgetown, um, you know, kind of like Sheem said, like looking for um, something to latch onto, some culture that that felt like home. But um, kind of being in the middle um, of all this, like kind of struggled. But thankfully, had like a couple of great black roommates, mm. and we all kind of remained friends like to this day. Because I'm not sure I would have made it through that place. No lie. There's right. I, okay. Um, and when I look back, it's almost kind of funny because it's like we didn't go anywhere without each other. It was like, Yo, are you hungry? It's like, not really, but you trying to go to the cafe? Like, Can I you don't. walk? Are you trying to roll? Can, right. But you're not going though. And yeah. it's like, I don't, you know, so, but that's beautiful. Like, that's important. Like, that's a huge part of the reason I think like we made it out of that place. Right. I, um, I did crush your Cooler Inch Doritos, you know, and that was like, I think our first Operative real, word crush. first yeah. real interaction. But I mean, if you think about it, like, am I going to open them, eat one Dorito <laughs> and, and put it back? Like, I feel like that's an even greater offense. So yeah. it's just kind of like, you know, I come from my family is just very like open and sharing and just, you know, it's kind of like, if it's there, it's for the family. And that, you know, so 
<clears throat> that was well, the beginning you know, of a beautiful thing. I, 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 and I let's agree there. Like let's put this pen in that. Um, there. Um, oh, I'm I'm also married. Okay. I'm also married, and oh, I think yes. like that's a big piece of you know our conversations about you know what, how we see the world. How we see the world. Yeah. You know, it's like as millennials, it's like, you know, moments where you're really lonely and will you find love and black love? How do you find that consciousness in a partner? I mean, those have been heavy conversations we've had, you know, so. Um, So great segue, actually, which wasn't planned. Um, So we think it's really, really apt to dedicate the first episode to trying to get at all the feelings and sentiments and anxieties around black love. Mm-hmm. Um, so as Brian's kind of preluded or well, not, well, both preluded to this topic, but also shared, he is married. Um, and that will all, I'm sure come up in this part of the conversation, but I am not married. So we will, Start with, I think, the question, a really, really good question to kind of um, get this started is why, why? I'm assuming we both think black love is important, mm, right? Critical. Um, but why is black love important to you? Like, I think it's really easy for us to, like, do that kind of, um, like, intellectualizing at a kind of high level about why black love, how it can stand up to things. But I think that we need to start locating it in like our interior lives Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to make it act like most powerful. So um, I wonder what, yeah. So yes, I do like how I worry that question. Like why is black love important to us individually? Like why is it important to you, Brian? I don't mean to be too philosophical, but I feel like it's like, it's one of those things when I think black love, I'm like at the conception, at the core of the conception of like purpose for me. I feel like my family raised me um, like in a very loving like environment. Um, But, you know, it's like I've had moments in my life where like you could be working on a team and it's just kind of meeting some human like I feel wanted or something. But that's very different from this notion of black love to me with a world that's kind of like assaulting you. It's not just like, oh, I feel a little bit better. I mean, anyone can kind of be in love, but it's something about like black love that's Mm -hmm. just like the part of you that's like, I know you're not crazy. The part of you that's like, mm, I see you We going to be all right. That Kendrick Lamar type shit. I mean, it's, it's really, mm. yeah, it's, yeah. So I, so it's, it's, it's a little more sustaining and, um, warmer and like it has right. more texture and more note, but I'm thinking, I think for me, I know all the things black love is and isn't right. But that still, for me, that has not like answered the question why I so needed it. Like mm-hmm. why? Mm-hmm. Like yes, I often felt like the world was assaulting me, and in some ways, in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're in the same age range, but like we had different upbringings. Like we had very similar, but in some ways, like counterpointy type upbringings. Mm-hmm. So the ways we would recruit black love or like images of black love, we both wanted like through the media and both received why whatever formula we felt like we, we now need in our adult lives to like make it through day by day. I'm just trying to think about 
where it came from. Mm. So for me, it's like I had a really clear understanding of what black responsibility looked like to each other, like to other black people, mm-hmm. like what what it what it meant that I was a black person and I was around other black people and how I needed to treat them. And it's always different than white people, mm. right? And not to conflate that with black love, but um, I, I was always trying to, I always felt like black love had to be in service of something or mm. like, like a tool against some, and tool is not even as powerful, but like it's standing like it was very polit- black love was political, right? Absolutely, I think right. If that's the most clear way to say what I'm trying to say, black love was always political for me, and I felt like that was what was messaged to me by my parents. Mm-hmm. But growing up in Baltimore, in a I won't say religious household, but a, a kind of household marked by black religiosity, mm-hmm. um, and then struggling with my sexuality, black love was warped Mm. warped right and i felt like the kind of like it became very moralistic in terms of like what was deserving of black love Mm. uh, and kind of like what was kind of in service to this ideal of black cohesiveness and kind of like because black love was always this kind of for me glue for black community Mm. but the part that i needed to be loved on like my sexuality seemed to be an affront to that community so it didn't so it like trying to recruit love for the very thing I felt like needed to be loved was not um, like that. That broke the formula over and over and over again. Mm. So in my adult life, I don't know. I found myself really, and uh, I mean, really anxious is the word. Anxious to find like a sustaining black love for that very very disjointed kind of pull and tug mm-hmm. in me. Yeah, so I think that's why black love is important to me. I mean, that's how I can answer it. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it's like this waiting and this like, you know, searching for it, this pursuit of it. And I think throughout our friendships, it's like, how many times do we see Love Joe? It's like, <laughs> like my God, you know what I mean? Like, and sat there and felt like getting, we were fed, being fed. Yeah. Just full. And I mean, like, I, yeah, like growing up for me. You know, it's like, I, I feel like I was always kind of like the the nerdy guy. And so my parents would kind of tell me, well, you know, Brian, you know, all the black girls, they just don't know just yet. Mm. You know, don't don't you worry. Hold and on a this, little. Oh, just hold on a little. And, and you just kind of be like, you know, well, if the black girls don't like me and, you know, she, you know then I go to a private school and then it's kind of like, oh, well, I mean, I don't like white girls. I mean, but they mm. like me. And so I guess. And, uh, you know, kind of at one point have my mother kind of have to ask me, like, Brian, do you find me beautiful? Wow. Um, and just, you know, one of those moments where it's like, my God, like my my concept of black love, like, is my mother. Mm-hmm. And it, that's there, key. Right. And there's this notion of like, well, you're waiting and you're searching for it. Um and that was just kind of always the thing. And it was like, well, don't you worry. You know, it's coming. It's coming. And it and it required kind of snapping out of what you just happen to be around culturally and choosing black love. Like making the choice to recognize that that's it's where key. you come from, what you value, who you are. So, um, yeah, I think choice is the like real lever here. Love and love is never should never be passive to me. Mm-hmm. 
But I think black love is always like when I was trying to get at when like trying to place verbs underneath black love saying, oh, black love is always in service to something or black love is always trying to affix like Mm -hmm. black love is always trying to do things, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's I think because it hinges on the choice to like um, step up to and like call out those things like it's, it's so and that way it's being political it's both a choice, but it's kind of like, for me, I felt so an agent of my own body or agent of my own free will. Like, I felt so kind of powerful and, well, efficacious, right? All of these mm-hmm. words, when both I felt like I was being loved by my black mom. So I do think it's interesting how black men, like, feature their mom's love. Mm-hmm. And um, That's so whole. That's yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So there's so I'm about my mama house. Table that. Um but then there's so for me there's like that there's like memorializing love, like your conception of what love was and both should be. And then it's like fighting for what you think you what it can be in the moment. Like I think <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um Wow, yeah, so black love can be all these things. Um, like black black men and their love history, the history of love with their moms, I think is really important. I don't think we can unearth that right now. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, and, and the same could be said for you know black boys and their fathers, and you know the yeah. trope of the lack thereof, and you know yeah, that Lion all, King, all of that that Lion King that. triangle, yeah, so. <laughs> like. <laughs> All right, so for me, the question that I want to now offer up into the space <laughs> is Bless the more pointed around, um, like, the ways love in our adult, very much so adult, like, I feel all the pressures and failures of being an adult every day. Right? <laughs> so how our adult lives, our black male adult lives, both recruit and require Different kinds of love, love that was in maybe in some ways similar to the love we thought we needed as children. Um, but like just how we now see intimate love, social, fraternal love, mm-hmm. um, familial love. I mean, we're just coming off a holiday. I think it's we don't give ourselves the, in, enough mental space to really process um, the ways we are both asked to be loving to each other and then the ways we both seek it out in our adult lives. I think we're always battling a com- like a competition of task um, as adults and as black men right, to make it back home. <laughs> to like, shit, like when am I going to actually sit down and make sure like I'm calling my mom and asking her the question I need to hear to make sure she's okay? Or like, does my wife feel like I'm here? I'm there for her today? I mean, I have no point of reference for that. Um, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, how does love kind of influence and color our adult lives as black men? Brian. That's a huge question. Fair. Yeah. I don't think any of this has been coherent. So <laughs> Go for it. It's absolutely, as you just called out, on a number of different levels from the intimacy like with my wife to like the social familial with my friends and then um 
you know, more specifically, I think like brotherhood and I, I mean, both like biological brothers that I have as well as like my best friends that are like brothers to me. It's a, uh, it's on all of those levels. And I guess the theme of like, yeah, sustenance just keeps mm-hmm. like something that's just like sustaining you, I think come keeps coming back. We talk a lot about like, just kind of maintaining your sanity as you make progress in your professional mm-hmm. environment as well. And so for me, it's like to come home from work, um, from a corporate environment, um, and for my wife, a black woman, to um, be able to kind of relate mm-hmm. to um, my experiences. Like, that's, I mean, it's, that shit keeps you alive. Right. Like, that's not, otherwise you would just lose your damn mind out here. Like, it's in um, really literal terms, sustaining. In, in very real terms. Because, I mean, this year, 2016 has been hard. Like, 2016. Hard. Jesus. Hard. I mean, it's like, go to work, like, watch yeah. a, a black boy get, like, shot down on your mm-hmm. Facebook feed and, like, bleed out on the street. And then go into an office meeting where people are like, are you bringing your full self to work today? And you're just like, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Get and everybody getting shot. Right. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's, I mean, 2016 has been, like, at the, at the throat. like so, At the throat, yeah. At the throat. Thorax, yeah. <laughs> the larynx. Oh, Thorax was a Dr. Seuss novel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is for me, man. It's all over the place. But it's like, yeah, it's sustenance for sure. And like, yeah, some sense of like stability. Because I never like, you You could get so wrapped up in like getting approval or being loved in like professional spaces or in what have you. And, you know, there has to be some greater sense, you know. Of what you're here for. Back to that, like, conception of purpose. What are you really here for? Yeah. I agree with all of that. I think sustenance is very real. For me, the way I think my my understandings of Black intimate love funnel into my adult life, of course, is different than yours. (laughs) Uh, How how so? I wasn't gay. Um, (laughs) um, So I'm both not married and also don't have say that what i mean like that very familiar protocol right of coming home to wife Mm -hmm. um and yes i know your wife well she is in no ways like a throwback to well be careful yeah um i'm trying (laughs) to think of the mom's name in good times why can't i think of um esther roll that's yeah um um, florence flora flora not Florence. Florence Jefferson. It was Florida. Florida. Yeah. So, like, your wife is Flo. in no way like Florida, and Florida Evans was like powerful. Like, what she stood for, like her presence in media. I'm not doing that with that. So, like, whoever mm-hmm. listens to that, like, this is not that gender analysis. <laughs> what I'm saying is, there is still even in ways that we iterate on top of it. Like, I think my, I don't have that binary to even iterate on top of, is what I'm saying. Right? I hear that. I got you. Um, so, and in, in truly liberating and, like, courageous ways, right? So, in that way, my, like, intimate life and, like, the kind of black intimate love I try to recruit is, I mean, constantly challenged, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, from both black people and, I mean... <laughs> White, right? 
white, capital W, white, white folks. So it's like, um, I both, however, I still know for me, and Joseph Beam said this. Yeah. Um, black men loving each other is still the most revolutionary act. Mm. And I mean, you, and you do what you want with like the types of love that I think Joseph was kind of positing a more capacious understanding. So intimate fraternal love. Um, but I still very much so think receiving intimate love from another black man in some ways, uh, well, it sustains me in all of the kind of gaps of sensibility I has a, had as a child kind of coming to terms with like that sexual drive, I think is, um, milk and honey. Right. I think, and it's not like that kind of like panacea, easy, quick fix. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't, I know that doesn't exist, but, um, when I have been in a relationship somewhat recently, Uh-oh. right. With a black male, um, the ways I felt invincible, right. The ways I just felt, um, so proud to be a black man because of the way I was being loved by another black man. I mean, was there aren't words. Right. Um, so in that way, like I know what it can do. Like I know what, like that, the type of love and how powerful that type of love could play and has played and like getting up every morning. And as you said, being able to scroll through my Facebook and see live feeds of black guys, black people, transgender people of color being shot, mur- fuck, murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having to get up and go into white, though not corporate spaces, white nonprofit spaces, which is in some ways as violent. Um, <laughs> more violent. Um, and having to kind of like survive and like not pop off, right? Right. And yeah, um, damn, uh, remember Denzel Washington and um in um uh, Great Debaters when he was like, I and every other black professor, professor up in here is to here help you right, is here to, to help sure that you take, take that back and keep, keep your, your everlasting, everlasting righteous, righteous black, black mind. Because obviously you have lost it. And I think like, nigga, like that's always what's on the line. Like always. I think and, and in very real ways, always. right? Like, and not to offer up like any type of like commercial examples like Kid Cudi or or Kanye West, and I think they are legitimate ones. I think like black sanity is our ultimate goal. Right. I mean, like we, we underestimate that. And what I want to really try to build a link for me kind of like subconsciously is when I feel like I'm going crazy, I'm able to both find the black love I need, but also know that it's black love I need. Like it's not, I don't need to go, I don't know, like go on a YouTube binge and like find like some kind of like visual panacea to make me feel better. I know if I really need to get at this kind of pain, I need to be loved in black community. I feel that. And like, I think like, so yeah, like so intimately, I know what that feels like. And I think through you, like with you, I know how it feels like with a brother, right? Like a brother who wasn't born. I mean, not a blood brother, but I know what it, what it can solve. Like what really it can do. 
I don't know how to make it sound more kind of powerful or real than that. But to be able to get up in 2016, wake up, brush your damn teeth. I was just thinking, like, this is so, like, it's been the same, like you just said. I mean, it's, it's the same damn concern or question yeah. for hundreds of years. Like, I was just, like, Du Bois, you know, the quotes, it's like the Tunis ever warring, right? Mm-hmm. Keep trying to keep from being torn asunder. You know, it's like 1906. That tension is still very real. Right? It's still there and it's still like. I also thought of Cornell West. You'll probably like roll your eyes. I know. I know. Don't breathe too heavy. But you know, it's like the culture. When he talks about the cultural armor that wards off like the mm-hmm. threat of the nihilistic threat, you know, meaninglessness, lovelessness. All real, right. All very I mean, real. Yeah. In 2016 showed its ass so on good. all those fronts. Right. On all those fronts. And that's why screaming Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's crazy, like, how simple. It's amazing that that has mm-hmm. become so controversial. It's like, you got white folk talking about that's a terrorist group. And it's just like this basic mantra that it's like black people have to say to themselves because everything around you is telling you, like. Y'all don't. You don't? <laughs> right. And you're, like, trying to. They matter. They matter. Don't worry. They matter. They I promise. Matter. I promise. I promise. <laughs> We matter. We matter. Um, all right. I think that was... Look at this outline. We have a Google outline. Um, damn, Cosby Show? We were supposed to talk about Cosby Show. <laughs> we hit at that. I, we can move on. We did. Um, all right. That's it. You have That's any it. closing words for Black Love? Like, all of, all of Black Love? Oh, black love. I just love, I love black people. Like I, mm-hmm. I often say that one of the coolest things, like, um, you know, back in college, we used to hop on the bus and like ride all the way across the city. So we could go to Andrew Rankin Memorial Chapel, um, <laughs> at DHU. <laughs> across you. The, <laughs> you know, we can't do that. Cause we didn't graduate <clears throat> from the hilltop. Yeah. Um, so we were over on the other hilltop. Um, the racist one. <laughs> Not, okay, the Northern Virginia boy. That's the not that, Virginia, the that's one that was struggling there. Exactly. The, the one, one that, was, that acknowledged that mm-hmm. it um, started its endowment by selling slaves. Huge step. Huge step. Hoya Saxa. Got it. Um. Anyway, we're on the G2 going to Howard um, to go get some life. And, um, you know, it's like we would go to church and like just multiple times. I think the only thing I remember is just walking around being like, I love black people. Yeah. Like, I love black people. <sighs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And for some reason to think that that, like, was kind of like a little bit of church and a little bit of, like, black love was going to be enough for you to be like, all right, let me hop back on this bus and um, make and, it. And try to make I this I think work. I got I think I can make it through. Wow. This lecture hall. What a tableau. Yeah. I mean, that's what black love is for me, man. Yeah. I agree. It is in very real ways food. Like it is, it is food and not any type of like cliche Oprah life class, like chicken noodle photo soup. This is like <laughs> chicken noodle photo soup. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. no, 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 hold on. Chicken noodle for the soul. I'm sorry. <laughs> he said chicken, chicken noodle, noodle for the soul. That's the name of our new mixtape. Thug um, Thursdays. It could be chicken noodle for the soul. The um, black love for me is 
food that I so desperately needed. Like, um, for as long as I can remember, right? And that's not an oversimplification. Um, it's it's been a it's been very real, and I know that it works. That's what I'm trying to link it to. Like there there's so many um, things up in the air. 2016 has done that primarily, right? Um, just like throwing all coherence and logic up in the air. Um, I think we're constantly scraping for evidence and data and metrics to like make sure an input leads to an output that we want in all parts of our life, right? And very real kind of corporate work day, like I have to get X done. But also like your more casual encounters, like, okay, if I go to Target, I know I can find those trash bags, right? We're always trying to link logic, evidence, like prior knowledge with an outcome, like the outcome we want. And what I learned is that adulthood says to you every day, psych, that actually is not what you get to do here, especially if you're black, right? It's like, but I thought you said if I got a four year psych, that- lies, maybe not, <laughs> try it out. You know, it's like, it's constantly about that, that like um, precarity of, I think I know, I probably don't really know, but I had to like execute, like I don't have any other time to waste, especially if you're black. It's like time is so precious to you. Um, and what I'm trying to really try to, I mean, like surface here is black love is, it does not fail, right? It does not fail. It has never failed me. And even when I've been given, that gives me strength. Um, I don't know. All right. So that's that. Um, we hope this was, uh, was coherent. Was um, we can probably meaningful. throw that one out the we can throw that out. Yeah. Okay. Meaningful. We can meaningful. Mm-hmm. I think this is good. This is the beginning to it. You know. So yeah. I'm excited that we take the first step to just get started. This was a conversation we've been having over and over again with each other for years, and um, a conversation you want to have with our listeners. So. How are we end up posting this? Um, comment. Let us know what you think. Um, and we look forward to we're checking in soon at some point. Yeah. I'm talking about other black things. And love. And love. Black love, though. Yeah. Black love matters. All right. That's it. Bye. Be easy. Be easy. <laughs>